Welcome to Nairobi Chapel Embakasi. We grow deep to reach wide. Genesis chapter 3 verse 1 to 19. Now the serpent was crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from the, any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the fruit, we may eat from the fruit, eh? we may eat fruit hey, from the trees in the garden. But God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from the eat, the eye, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. Hey. She also gave some to her husband, Aki, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. Why? So they sewed fig trees together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Hmm. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you, Buana? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you you are naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me and I ate. <laughs> so the Lord God said to the serpent, I sat the serpent, serpent. Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband. He will rule over you. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree, about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you are taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to discuss the very elements of your word. Speak to us, King of kings, creator of the universe, of men and of animals, speak to us. Fill us with your wisdom. Help us, Jehovah, to understand. May the enemy not have a foothold against us, against understanding and in the place of bearing fruit. Help us, Jehovah. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we say amen. Last week, we sadly looked at the fall of mankind. I hate that conversation. It's not a nice one. We saw the history of the devil, Satan, and how he influenced the genesis of sin into human beings. The purpose of Genesis narrative is not to give an account of the manner in which sin came into the world, but how, he found, how it found its advent into the human race. Sin was already in the world, guys, as the existence of Satan and the chaotic condition of things in the beginning strikingly testify. Sin came into the human race through deception and disobedience, motivated by unbelief. First Timothy 2.14 tells us this, eh? Adam was not deceived, eh? but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. See that? The results of sin in the experience of our first parents, as we saw last week, were as follows. One, the ground was cursed. Two, sorrow and pain to the woman in childbearing and subjection 
of woman to the man. Man will control. <laughs> you have to see another layer. Three, exhausting physical labor in order to support ourselves. Hey, this February with the sun. Number four, physical and spiritual death. We all have to die. A fear of God. This is not at irreverence. This is fear. You're scared of him. Number five, out of shame and guilt because of sin. That's what brings a fear. A hiding from God's presence. That's how we act when afraid of God. And all this led to expulsion from the garden. This was all last week. But guys, there's further consequences of the fall. They are there. Sadly, they don't end with what we just read. Aya, all men without respect of condition or class are born sinners before God. Straight up. The entire nature of man, mentally, morally, spiritually, physically, is sadly affected by sin. That's as a result. The whole world rests under condemnation, wrath and curse. The whole world suffers the growing evil of men and nature itself suffers as a result as well. And finally, sickness, disease, natural disasters and wars all come as a result of the fall. This we see in the book of Genesis as well. This month we're looking at the genesis of everything in the beginning. The book of Genesis. I look through. Aya. Killing of animals happened as a, result of, as a result of the fall. God had to kill an animal to cover Adam and Eve. Aya. Cain introduces us to the evil of killing. By killing his brother Abel. Le Lamech introduces polygamy. He shows us what polygamy is. That was never God's plan before the fall. It was never. He marries two wives and boasts again of killing a man in his home. Aya. Angels come down to earth and marry earthly women. They have been introducing giants on earth. Giants were never meant to be part of a uh, human being population. No. Genesis 6, there's so much evil that God even regrets many, making mankind. He begins by doing what? Cutting short the years of mankind to 120 years. We were meant to live forever. But the fall messed it up. After that, what does he do? Sends a flood to wipe out everything on earth. That's because of the fall. We see the first instance of drunkenness in Noah and its severe repercussion. That was never God's purpose for us. The fall. Noah causes his son Ham, the father of the Canaanite uh, people, to slavery for seeing him naked. Thereby cursing his own lineage. That is because of the fall. In Genesis 11, all people build a tower to reach God in defiance and God breaks their language. Babylon, remember? We have to get to see this God. Defiance, arrogance, pride. Breaking their language. All these many languages we see is not because that we are diverse. Okay, yes, we can define that now, that way. But it is not the original plan for God for mankind. It is because of the fall. By the end of Genesis 11, people are worshipping idols. A.K.A. Abraham with his whole family. They didn't even know God. I'm going to do two idols. Genesis 12, we see famine, famine. And the government of men in kings introduced to us. This was never in God's plan. Abraham introduces lying in Egypt. That affects his whole lineage and generation. Isaac was a liar. Jacob was the king of liars. His name actually means deception. Imagine. We see disease inflicted by God to Pharaoh because of Abraham's wife Sarah. Disease was never part of God's plan for us. That is as a result of the fall. Quarreling between us, amongst us, is introduced. That happens between Abraham and Lot. Remember when they were trying to figure out who's supposed to take which land? Quarreling. Before the fall. We see war introduced to us in Genesis 14. 
when Lot is captured and Abraham goes to rescue him from the kings that captured him. War was never in God's plan for us, but the fall. We see barrenness introduced to us in the lives of Abraham and Sarah, even in the life of Isaac. And he had to pray and only 20 years later, God answers him with the gift of a child. Hallelujah. Homosexuality, which now our government has said is now law. Hey, guys. Homosexuality is introduced in Sodom. Sorry, in Genesis 19. This is not new. Supreme Court. We see incest introduced to us when Lord and his daughters have sex and have children, who the Bible says later are the biggest enemies of Israel. Genesis 34 sees us see, uh, uh, be introduced to rape, where Shechem rapes Jacob's daughter Dinah. That was never God's plan for us. Rape was never in his plans. That is the fall. Slavery, jailing, imprisonment of men is introduced to us in Genesis 39, in the life of Joseph. Easy jails, autumn and imprisonment. That was not God's plan for mankind. Education is introduced to us in the life of Joseph. As he was very well educated in the ways of Egypt. Egypt was even the center of civilization at the time. Did God plan that it went as Jewy to kifanyafanya as Jewy makos dininini to kifanya homework, all of that? I don't think so. The world of trade, finance, economics is introduced to us in the way Egypt helped the world. God was our provision. Not trade, not economics. These are all the further consequences of the fall of man. All degradation of man and the universe is a result of the fall of man. Unfortunately though, what all this points to, always, is God is mean. Ati Jehovah, Jamai is not nice. God is bad. He is very unfair. If he was a good God, he would not allow all this to happen. How can war happen at in Syria? How can he allow Russia to do what they're doing in Ukraine? How? How allow this government with these politicians of ours who don't care anything about human beings? How can they be allowed to run? The narrative that starts off the book of Genesis is the goodness of God. May you never forget that. May we never forget. In his goodness, or let's say his love, God created the universe. In his goodness and love, God gave man choice to do right or wrong. If he did right, he was to, do, he was to dwell with God in his amazing eternity forever. Come and define right. We would now be living in the Garden of Eden forever with the Lord as he walked in the cool of the day. And all people say, Hallelujah. Hmm? But what did he do? He did wrong. He chose wrong. What did that invite? The wrath of God. Guys, one of the things I have known and many believers know and many ministers know this. We don't talk about the wrath of God enough. We talk about the God of love. We even sang about it today in service. We sang about it. God is love. Hallelujah. See, there is here a song in these lines. The God of wrath. Oh, how amazing you are. Mungu wa mashida. Mungu wa ashira. There is here you. When Adam and Eve chose to do wrong, God cast them and threw them out of his presence in Eden. When we choose wrong, the wrath of God appears in our consequences. When we choose wrong forever, his wrath will appear when he sends us to eternal destruction in hell. The destruction of the earth by a flood and the destruction of Sodom point us to the end of time destruction of all who don't choose God's way. That is the wrath of God in action. 
he chooses Sodom and Noah's ark to show us, guys, choose well. Because if you don't, that's what happens to those who don't. You'll either be, the, the flood will either devour you or hailstones from above, fiery hailstones will destroy you. In the wrath of God, he always though and forever has remembered what? Say it with me. Mercy. Hallelujah. God is good, guys. In his goodness, he has always and forever remembered mercy. Never forget it. Always and forever. In his wrath, he has remembered mercy. When Adam and Eve had taken the fruit, he still came looking for them in the cool of the garden, asking Adam, where are you? He's not coming with a difficult, angry, in-your-face voice. He's coming in his mercy, kindly, asking Adam, Mkwapi, my son, my child, my creation, where are you? I know you're in a difficult place. Mkwapi. Even after he cast them, he still covered the nakedness with the sacrifice of an, sacrifice of an animal's skin. But you're still saying that God is bad, that this guy doesn't care. One famous preacher said that if God is so bad then, so unfair, so full of meanness, then how come he never killed them straight away after they ate the fruit? That's what he told them. He promised them if you eat this fruit, death. He didn't do that. The fact that he still allowed them the hundreds of years on earth points to his mercy. Think about it. These guys live for hundreds of years. Adam dies during 900 years. His sons lived for many years before he cut years short to 120. They live for many years. That points to the mercy of God. The God of wrath is still, guys, the God of mercy. In his wrath over us, he always remembers mercy. His greatest act of mercy, though, is the fact that he wove into motion a plan to save mankind from this eternal curse of death, the grave, and hell itself. God cast the devil, as we read in the book of Genesis chapter 3, to forever have enmity with the woman and a fruit and that the devil will strike it, the heel of the fruit, and that the fruit will crush the head of the devil. That's what he says as the curse. Like we said last week, man generally fears a snake. I'm on a pendas. I'm a, you have pets that are snakes. Not Sijui. As a pastor, who can invite and you have pets that are snakes, I will struggle. I'm still in Genesis. <laughs> in the same manner, the devil is not like to wander by mankind. He's so unwanted that human beings have always thought of him as ugly, dangerous, fighting the good of the Lord and with the horns. Jamaat is the ugliest. <laughs> Guys. That is what God promised him as a curse that he will forever have enmity with human beings. Forever. With Eve specifically, but with the rest of us. That is his promise. But the other part of this curse is the fact that the fruit of the woman's heel will be stricken by the devil. This simply means that the devil would have a way to cause us, the fruit of the woman, trouble. Most obviously, he would have the ability to make us trip or fall down. This points to disobedience, and since the curse doesn't end there, the best bit about it is that God gives us a promise that one day, the fruit of the woman will crush the head of the devil. This points to the mercy of God, guys. Take this seriously. This points to the mercy of God amidst the great wrath of the devil, being a thorn in our flesh by pointing us to the atoning work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Guys, even in wrath, God always remembers mercy. God then begins the Genesis to revelation exposure of Christ. The one whose sole purpose was to crush the head of the devil. God points for us, the readers, 
from Genesis, this beautiful picture, to remind us of the promise he gave of the seed of Eve crushing the head of the devil. Christ is revealed in the sacrifice that covered the shame of Adam and Eve. Christ is revealed in Abel's life. He was a shepherd who gave an offering and a sacrifice that was pleasing to God and then was killed for his offering. Christ is revealed to us in the story of Noah's ark, which by the acts of one blameless man, the whole mankind was saved and given a second chance. He is revealed when Abraham is told to offer his only son Isaac on the mountain of the Lord in Moriah, the same place many years later, Golgotha, Christ would sacrifice himself for the sin of mankind. He is revealed to us in the life of Joseph, who was sold for a few pieces of silver, but later saved his own nation through the leadership of Egypt. Imagine that. That's Jehovah. God put all these crumbs for us to remind us that the devil's hell will be crushed for sure. Jesus came and crushed the devil's hell and now the curse of death, the grave and hell cannot condemn us. Here is the catch again. We have to choose him. If we don't, we'll experience the wrath of God that is set out in Genesis chapter 3. John 3.36 Anyone who believes in God's Son has eternal life. Anyone who doesn't obey the Son will never experience eternal life but remains under God's, get this, angry judgment or wrath. If you do not choose Jesus, the gift of mercy, the very definition of the mercy of God to mankind, you will remain in the wrath in the book of Genesis. Choose and choose well today. I believe that today God's mercy is being shown to us in many other great forms. God saw it fit to have us get his word written and made available to all of us. Imagine how we'd be without his word. How difficult would it have been to know of his curses and his redemptive plan of salvation through his beloved son Jesus Christ? How difficult? What if he never sent his son to share on earth? What if he never, sorry, what if he never even sent to us here on earth his Holy Spirit? Imagine if he stopped calling us to minister in his gifts of the Holy Spirit, in his word. Imagine the many times his children forsook him, even in the Old Testament but how he kept calling out men and women to remind the world about his plan for the salvation of mankind. The word of God, the spirit of God, the ministers of God, the true prophets of God, I believe in our times today, are all the signs of God's mercy to us today. I believe that with all my heart. The sign, the sign, the signs of the mercies of God today. Word of God, spirit of God, ministers of God. That's his mercy. What will you choose to do? Will you follow him or continue your own destructive paths that qualify you to be a partaker of his wrath? Habakkuk, when he saw that Babylon was being used to destroy the nation of Israel, to, dis to, 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 to met out the wrath of God over the nation of Israel, this is what he said when he saw that. Habakkuk 3.2 Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Lord, repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In your wrath, Jehovah, remember mercy. God's mercy must be chosen today. So please choose it. All you'll see is rather the end of time. If man had never fallen, there would have been no opportunity of showing divine mercy. But by permitting evil, mysterious as it seems, God's works of grace, mercy, wisdom, in saving sinners have been wonderfully manifested to all his creatures. If there was no falling of man, guys would have never known 
the mercy of God. Let me finish by reading Romans chapter 8 from verse 18 all the way to 39. So that you see all that you're talking about in its entirety. This is what Paul tells the Roman church. I consider that our present sufferings are not worthy comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For creation awaits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope. That the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we eagerly await for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes all they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Those he predestined, he called. Those he called, he justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Not trouble, not hardship, not persecution, not famine, not nakedness, no danger, not sword. I add even this, no taxes from the government. Hallelujah. Hey, verse 36. As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, angels, demons, present or the future, or any powers, neither height or death, Death, sorry. No anything else in our creation will be able to separate us from the love of Christ. The love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And all the people said, Hallelujah. Guys, I beg you by the mercies of God to find, to find, to find God's mercy. Allow God's mercy to be your portion. Allow it to be your portion. God's mercy, God's mercy. Choose it today. If you don't, things will be thick. We will go back and like the book, the book of Jonah told us, you are going to go back and be in the wrath meted out in Genesis chapter 3. I pray the blessings of God over you that you choose his mercy today in the name of Jesus Christ. If you don't know him, just invite him into your heart. Invite him. He's forever waiting for you. He's looking, just like God was looking for Adam and Eve in the garden, he's looking for you even right now. All he wants is for you to say, here I am, Jehovah. I have messed up and I need your mercy. Cry out for his mercy right where you are, for your family, for the generations after you, that they might know the mercy of God and not end up in the wrath of God. In Jesus' mighty name.
God bless you and see you again next week. Join us every Sunday from 11 a.m. at Trubani House off Airport North Road. Have a blessed week.